bond in Latin America. Again, women, impersonations, horses, mini-jets, explosions, and more more quips in the pre-title sequence to Octopussy. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. And Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Let's fly through and decode the pre-title sequence for Octopussy right now. All right. After the gun barrel sequence, the gun barrel circle frames an armored vehicle with palm trees in the background. When the circle opens up completely, we see it's a convoy of armored vehicles and soldiers. A vehicle towing a trailer is waved over to the left side. Looks like a horse trailer. We see the rear of a horse and a tail in the back as it approaches what looks to be an outdoor grass horse racing track or something. And there are a few other horses with riders and onlookers. Yeah, Dan, that's not a regular horse racing track like like we would have at Ascot Racecourse, Churchill Downs, or the now defunct uh, Arlington Park racetrack here. Uh, it's they're doing equestrian show jumping on in the scene okay so i've yeah. never been to a show jumping competition but that's what they're doing now vicky do you have a race course in west midlands near you yes i have a race course not too far away the wolverhampton race course which is just for racing horses there's no no show jumping it's just a, a race course yeah. um yeah but it's quite quite a busy popular venue here Okay, let's get back to Octopussy. So far, I must say I am not intrigued as I have been in the first few moments of any other Bond pre-title sequences. This just seems calm and delightful, except, of course, for the soldiers that we saw. Uh, (laughs) Uh, You got that. (laughs) Isn't isn't that the cleanest horse trailer and convertible Range Rover you've ever seen? I mean, this thing is spotless as it's driving on the grass. They want to keep things clean. (laughs) All right. All right, so we see a cigar-smoking, uniformed man approach the rail. He looks over a woman standing next to him as he turns to view the track. As a horse rides by, they all applaud at the rail, and we see the vehicle towing the horse trailer right behind them approaching. All right, so we should be paying attention, apparently, to the horse trailer. The driver gets out, and it's Bond! Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) No! He's looking around the trailer at the track and the onlookers, and cautiously, as he removes his sport coat, he turns it inside out, and it's an army uniform. The cigar-smoking man looks at the woman again, and then she begins to move away from him. He's obviously got other ideas. (laughs) I like this. I think it shows that the the woman is used to avoiding unwanted attention. (laughs) Yeah, it was good for her. Well, that, that's true, but a few minutes later, we're going to see that she knows how to create well, wanted yeah. attention, <laughs> yes, not unwanted is. attention. And yes. Dan, your comment about the taking the sport coat and turning it into a uniform, yeah. Tom Cruise, uh, I can't remember which Mission Impossible, right, but Tom right. Cruise in one of the Mission Impossibles. Uh, that was Ghost Protocol coming out of the Kremlin scene. Takes off the uniform and makes it into like an yep. uh, outside jacket. Yeah, just I wonder where they got jacket. that idea. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Just the exact opposite of this. It's taking the uniform and bringing it the other way. Yeah, yeah. So meanwhile, Bond's transformation into an army officer is being completed. The woman meets him, the same woman we saw at the rail, as he's strapping on a gun belt. And the first words we hear from Bond are, You didn't tell me there was going to be this much security. So now we know that Bond is on some sort of mission, but we have no clue to what it is yet. No, no. Yeah, and then, then she slips this badge onto his uniform, and it says, Colonel Luis Toro, with a photo of him. And in the photo, it is Bond, but he's got a mustache. Mm-hmm. 
Now, the real Bond has no mustache yet. Right. And he looks at the badge and, you know, you're talking about your more quips. He looks at the badge and says, Toro, sounds like a load of bull. Now, we know this is a Roger Moore quip. <laughs> bull is the, in Spanish, is Toro. Yeah, yeah. It's like, duh. Yeah. But where is Bond? So he's he making a Spanish language uh, quip here. Yeah. But it looks like he's in some unnamed Latin American country, at least I think. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's, it's interesting this is because I, I thought it was possibly Cuba because I, I thought polo was involved in, and polo isn't one of Cuba's no. national sports. That's actually baseball. But what do you what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, I mean, they, they do have a Havana equestrian club in Cuba, though, but I don't think they're doing that there. I think Tom's right. They're doing some kind of equestrian Yeah, you see event. them jumping. Maybe yeah, jumping, over, horse over jumping. and the things. Yeah, and that kind I of thing. I don't know what you call them. I'm, I'm not a horse jump guy. <laughs> but <laughs> jumping over those That's the official things. name. <laughs> uh, I think they wanted to avoid what specific country they were in again because they do that a lot, like they did in Goldfinger. They didn't tell you what country he was in, even though mm. it seemed to be some kind of Latin American country. And here we have to think it's some kind of a Latin American country as well. And the first military person of interest they show looking at the woman is bearded and kind of reminds us of what Fidel Castro of Cuba used to look like, if you remember. Mm -hmm. So very much like that, I think. So Yeah, and yeah. There, there are palm trees here, yeah. but those are easy to bring anywhere. And the credits list some of the actors as South American officers and the South American VIP. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think it's likely this is supposed to be somewhere in South America. Yeah. Again, I'll talk a little bit more where... about this location in a few minutes after they move away from this show jumping arena part of the pre-title sequence. Yeah. All right. Now, as Bond turns to walk away, the woman says, James, please be careful. As she sticks on his fake mustache. What? <laughs> I mean, come on. Bond, what did he do? He forgot the mustache? He just looked at his badge that he's supposed to be impersonating this person. The badge picture has a mustache. I mean, how, how good of a spy is Bond here? How, how well prepared is he? This little move by Bond, about to walk away without the mustache as part of his disguise, is telling. That would have been a big mistake, and he was about to make it. This woman saves the day for the moment. Bond is obviously concerned about the level of security that he nearly made a faux pas. <laughs> yeah, that's, this is the irony in this scene, right? He, he's got to be so careful, and then he forgets well, and, the and I love how she just sticks it on and it's on perfectly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It looked a little thicker so, than the one in the picture. He walks with a briefcase towards a checkpoint, flips the uniform pocket of one of the soldiers as though this soldier just failed a quick yeah. field inspection and then proceeds to the checkpoint. This was a nice, quick three-second touch to show who is in controlled control here. He was a colonel. Yeah, yeah and I thought that was great because this is one of those little things yep. that you may not even notice in Bond movies. It makes me laugh every time I see it because it's, he's, he's trying to dress this guy down, trying to make it look like he's the guy in charge yeah, and that yeah. he's fitting in so well. It's just really well. I love that. I love yeah, that stuff. It, it reminded me yeah. of the of the Dirty Dozen. Donald Sutherland does the same kind of thing. I think it was Donald Sutherland who is inspecting the troops and so on. So he proceeds through the checkpoint where there are more armored vehicles and soldiers doing field drills. And it cuts to the inside of an airplane hangar where technicians are working on fighter jets as Bond, a.k.a. Colonel Louis Toro, 
enters, salutes, and soldiers check his badge and nods approvingly. Yeah. Now, this soldier does turn to watch Bond walk away, and I think he does do a little, he does look a little suspicious in that glance at Bond. Yeah. Yeah, I thought at yeah, first he looked at that briefcase and then at Bond's shoes. Mm-hmm. And he moved after looking at the shoes. And then the real Toro comes in and he's got sunglasses on, which yeah. Bond didn't have on. Right. Mm. And he does have similar shoes to Bond, so it wasn't the shoes. So maybe it was the briefcase or something else, I'm not sure. But the briefcase looked out of place to me, and Toro doesn't carry a briefcase when he walks in. Yeah. Now, as a side note here, Ken Norris plays Toro, and he played Roger Moore's double on the TV series The Saint. <laughs> so now you have Roger Moore, who played Simon Templer on The Saint, Doubling the guy who doubled him on the TV show. <laughs> I'm confused. Stuff like that. <laughs> All right, that's good. So, Bond, as Toro, walks up to one of the technicians that we saw working on a jet, and the tech salutes him, and Bond, as Colonel Luis Toro, says, continue. And he finishes off his return salute with a karate chop to the back of the neck of the technician, and bam, he's out. <laughs> okay, now okay. we're wondering. So... Are we interested yet? I have to still say I am not intrigued so far. Are you? Uh, not not tremendously, I have to say. Not <laughs> tremendously. It, it is a very slow opening. It's a slow, it is, yeah. I mean, we're wondering all right, where Bond is, why he's impersonating Colonel Luis Toro. We don't know. And what he might be doing wherever he is. Okay, so... But I don't feel pulled into this like I did with the Goldfinger pre-title or Thunderball or even the first few minutes of For Your Eyes Only. I just don't feel that grab. Boom. Mm. Yeah. I think this film has a disguise undertone to it. I mean, we see Bond disguised as Toro, which yeah. is fairly believable. But if we look later into the film, we see, we see Bond bizarrely dressed as a gorilla <laughs> and then a clown. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't really see Daniel Craig's Bond doing any of that. Uh, yes, he did yeah. wear a school mask at the beginning of Spectre to blend in with the Day of the Dead in Mexico. But, yeah, yeah, that's wow. you know, <laughs> no, that, that, that is a good point, Vicky. Now, I'll have to say, people have given him grief for the clown outfit. I actually think that made sense for where he was. It, it actually, to me, it was like a spy doing the right thing yeah. for his environment. But this disguise thing does set things up a bit for later in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. this clown thing, though, I think anytime you put Bond in a clown suit, or a kilt even for that matter, people get a little like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> you <laughs> hey. gotta blend in. Yeah, you gotta blend in. All right, now when Bond knocks out the technician, then opens his briefcase and flips a button to reveal a timing device, this is obviously an explosive device, and part of the instructions on it can be read, it says must be detonated, and what I thought was kind of cool, there was like a a March 1983 date on this block of wood or whatever the thing was. Mm. And, of course, the movie came out in 1983. So I thought that was kind of a nice little touch. Okay, Dan, it kind of looks like a block of wood, but it it isn't. And, of course, you know, I'm going to research this. Yeah. So the stuff is actually marked Tetratol, which is very explosive. Okay. It's It's a mix of Tetral and TNT. And this was actually the stuff they used in Season 3, Episode 10 of Hawaii Five-0, if any of you are Hawaii Five-0 fans, 13 years before they made this movie. They used this as an explosive. Now, the numbers, if you look at the the markings on it, were 75-20, which doesn't make any sense. 
is those numbers are the percentage of mixture of the tetral and TNT. Okay. So the two numbers have to add up to 100. So 70-30 is the most common mixture we see, although you'll sometimes see an 80-20, 75-25, and 65-35, but you're not going to see it in 75-20 as they have it marked here in this pre-title. Yeah, no, maybe, so. the, maybe the guy was, uh, the prop guy was in a remedial uh, math class or something. <laughs> or maybe they weren't allowed to mark it correctly. I don't, I don't know. know. But I'll be quiet, but I just, I had to look at no, it. That's, that's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> So what? So this is this is Bond's mission with an impersonation towing the horse trailer, which we know has a mini jet in it later. Yeah. All this to blow up one plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. He, he, he lists, <laughs> but he lists, we don't know what's in the plane. He lists this bomb or device. Who's in the plane? No, we don't. But it's in the hangars. Uh, they're working on it. He lifts it out of his attaché case and he attaches it under the bonnet of the jet that the tech was working on. But. Of course, things can't go all that smoothly. Just as he does this, he's surrounded by armed soldiers. As the real Toro approaches Bond and looks exactly like Bond, and Bond coolly quips another more quip. Well, it's a small world. You're a Toro, too. <laughs> okay. They, t- they take That's Bond. <laughs> Maybe they're related. They take Bond away and they show the real Toro, the explosive device that the fake Toro had planted on the jet. And meanwhile, the woman that we saw at the rail. And- hey, wait, wait. Before you go forward with the uh, talk about the woman. Yeah. If this was in no time to die, Bond would have just blown them all up, including himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? Her right then and there. For the mission. For the mission. You're right. Boom. Yeah, okay. I'm going to do it. Now I got a few more movies to do. All right. Meanwhile, the woman, the one that was waiting at the rail and the one who reminded Bond he didn't have the mustache on, Bond, the big spy, she's towing the horse trailer. So she sees an armored vehicle with two soldiers in the front seat and two soldiers in the back open bed, and they are guarding Bond. Problem. Bond got caught again. (laughs) How good is this guy? Looks like he has to rely on someone else to save him again. It happens a lot to Bond. Like Havelock saving him in for your eyes only, shooting his pursuer with her crossbow, or Bouvier saving Dalton's Bond several times in License to Kill. I mean, it goes on and on and on. This guy is not that good. (laughs) You know, know. I wonder what the giveaway was, because surely if Bond was going to pose as another person... He would have done his research. You'd think. <laughs> yeah, but I think it had to be this briefcase or the glasses because he didn't have the sunglasses on like Toro did. So my guess it's one of those two was what gave him away. Yeah, I mean, the, the other soldier, he does give them give him a very suspicious look for sure when Bond mm-hmm. walks in, when he first walks in. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like in, in the, the first glance, you think, oh, he let him go. And then he turns and he's looking at him. That's when he's starting to suspect him. So, yeah, something turned him on to, hey, this is a, an imposter. So, all right. So how, how did she know that Bond was in trouble? Did she get a sense earlier with with his mistake? I mean, well, he, he was in a truck. He had guard, two guards pointing their assault rifles at him when they drove past her. That that might have been a clue. Yeah. Well, I, 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 and maybe that was the, his planned escape, right? If something happened, she was going to be there. 
towing the trailer with the secret jet in it and so on. Who knows? Was she the MI6 person in the country like Karen Bay was in Istanbul? I don't know. Was she? They never really... It sure did. seemed like she was. I mean, because she yeah. would put the, the stuff, the mustache on him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. The Bond seems to notice her, as he should. I mean, he's in trouble. <laughs> and she proceeds to drive the vehicle towing the horse trailer in pursuit of Bond. Hmm, okay, all right. Now she's going to save the day, maybe. Let's see. A close-up of Bond in the vehicle shows him smirking a bit. <laughs> the perfect Roger Moore smirk as Bond. Perfect. <laughs> Patented. <laughs> is it confidence that he will be saved by this woman, or is it cockiness because he's Bond? I mean, come on. You forgot your mustache. Don't get cocky, kid. <laughs> I yeah, know. I mean, maybe he knows what Bianca, because that's the na her name, portrayed by actress Tina Hudson. Perhaps have worked on a, I don't know, a mission previously. Maybe just she just knows what Bond's about. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that, that could be. Now, that smirk you're talking about, Dan, <laughs> yeah. we saw Sean Connery's Bond do that smirk at the guard in Goldfinger. Remember when he was locked up at the yeah. Stud Farm? A little different, And though. he smiled at the guard and went up and down and made himself visible and not visible smirking. Yeah, 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 but and, that was to distract him. Yeah, so the other thing is that this was when he saw that Bianca was catching up to them. So that could have been what made him smile, too. But I think it was more like the Sean Connery smile, smirk. Yeah, all right, all right. All right, so she's driving next to the vehicle carrying Bond, and she starts flirting with the soldiers guarding Bond in the open back. Ha. Bond is looking at the guards. He's kind of raising his eyebrows and motions with his eyes towards her as if to say, wow, hey, wouldn't you like that? <laughs> <laughs> she, she has her white dress pulled up to her waist, showing a lot of leg. And she blows a kiss to the soldiers. She shifts it up even more to show a little of her underwear between her legs as the soldiers are distracted, for sure. Why were they distracted, Dan? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. And then, as they're distracted, Bond pulls her chute ripcords, and the chutes billow out, and the wind fills the chutes and drags them off of the vehicle and into the air. Wow. Why were they wearing parachutes in the truck? That just made no sense. <laughs> I, I had the same thought. It's like, yeah. really? What the heck are they? <laughs> they I know. I, I was thinking the same thing, too, but I'm going to say, okay. They're on a truck, not a plane, not a helicopter, nothing. They're on a truck, and they're wearing parachutes. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing, too, and I thought, hey, maybe... They were part of the airborne division about to do drills when this came up. So, okay, it's a stretch, but I'm trying to give them a little break here. My parachutes, yeah, it's a little, a little odd. All right, now, remember, you need a willing suspension of disbelief with Bond movies. So, the parachute thing. Okay, you also wonder what the two in the front are doing at this time as Bond leaps from the vehicle and note, he does have one of the soldiers' weapons with him, which is good. And, and so for continuity, he did bring one of, one of their weapons, and he brings it into the vehicle that the woman is driving. Now, there's a divider of sorts in between Bond and the soldiers up front from the vehicle that he was in. And, so, and when, it's, when he's doing his eye thing, you can't really see a rearview mirror there. So where normally there might have been one. So maybe, maybe they, they can't see what was going on behind them. 
I don't know. Maybe they're preemptively answering our question. <laughs> I don't know what the yeah, hell. Where were the other two guys? Where were the other two guys? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Now she pulls up, and the driver and another soldier in front see her, and they're smiling. <laughs> wow, she's she's drawing quite a bit of attention. But they see Bond, and then of course Bond shoots out the tires, and they crash. These these soldiers obviously don't get out much, do they? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, easily distracted. Uh, all right, now many vehicles are in pursuit, so now they're on to it. He's apparently escaped, and he leans over, kisses her, saying something to her to thank her. Now, yeah, this confused me because her name is credited as as Bianca. Yeah, as Vicky said. Now, it sounds to me like he says, gracias, Karina. With the first word, it was definitely gracias. Yeah. Now, I may be wrong on the Karina part, because Karina in Spanish means charity, so there's not a hook there. It could have been gracias, cuidera, which would be something like, thank you, dear. So that's probably what it is. Thank you, dear, for rescuing me. Yeah. Because that's what he was doing, thanking her for the escape. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I couldn't make it out exactly I, I had to listen to that like 15 times, and then looked up some terms in Spanish and was like, ah, it sounds like it could be querida. Then he tells the woman something we do understand. I'll see you in Miami, he says to her. So mm. I'm like, okay. Mm, that's sort of like bonding Goldfinger after blowing up the drug facility in oh, the yeah. unnamed Latin American country. He went to Miami after the mission. Seems curious and maybe a callback there, do you think? Yeah, hey, that's that's a good point. And I, I seem to I, like I, the yeah, fountain blue, so, you know, maybe. Yeah, yeah the fountain <laughs> blue is beautiful. All right, now Bond climbs out of this vehicle, and he's walking towards the trailer. He unhitches the trailer and waves goodbye, and then he enters the trailer. And I thought, you're going pretty fast, and you're unhitching that trailer. It unhitched pretty easily. I think the pressure on that pin or whatever he pulled out of there (laughs) would have been pretty damn hard. Just boom! And the trailer's gone. Well, but, willing suspension of disbelief, movie magic, I'm not sure what you call it. Maybe yeah. they have it all greased up or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it looked like it was pristine, brand new, so yeah. it, might, yeah. <laughs> it might just come right out. Yeah. yeah. Who the hell knows? Anyway, my question is, so far, what has Bond accomplished? <laughs> he got caught impersonating Colonel Luis Toro. The bomb he planted on the jet was discovered, and he was rescued by this woman and is now leaving? <laughs> Dan, Bond always has an escape plan. No, <laughs> actually, maybe that's not true. Has anyone seen No Time to Die? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, there's kind of... This is one thing they always talk about with Goldfinger, too. What the hell did Bond do in Goldfinger? Everybody else did all the work. Yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot. Now, but he, he does... You're right, though, Vicky. Most of the time, I think, at least... Q instructed him to have an escape plan, right? The world is not enough. Now pay attention, 007. I've always tried to teach you two things. First, never let them see you bleed. And the second? Always have an escape plan. And he lowers himself down below the floor. All right, so always have an escape plan. So I guess this woman is his escape plan now. So... The jeeps and the vehicles, which seemed to be so close a few seconds ago in one shot, like maybe a quarter mile or less than a half a kilometer away, are now much further back 
when he's about to open the back with the jet and so on. I mean, the trailer was stopped. <laughs> and the Jeeps were approaching <laughs> Are it. Are you saying there's a continuity issue in a Bond movie? <laughs> uh, all right, so now we see the ass end of the horse and the tail flip up, and out comes a micro jet with Bond flying it over the approaching pursuing vehicles. So, now, again, they're approaching him, speeding. He's stopped. He's got a jet now going towards them, and he's got time to take off. All right, all right, all right. We're, we're going to let that go. <laughs> so I guess Bond is pulling his escape plan right out of a horse's butt. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay. He, Bond can fly anything. We know that. And so we could assume, hey, this little micro jet thing is not a problem. It's all part of the escape plan in the first place. So, of course, he knows how to fly it. There you go. I've got to be honest. This section was uh, really following a trend at the time with vehicles hidden in vans in 80s pop culture. The the 18 Knight Rider. It reminds me of that. Yeah. Yeah. And now this micro jet, it was a real vehicle. Sure, there were special effects in this filming. But there was also real flying of this aircraft. But the that, air- that real flying was not done by Roger Moore, Dan. Uh, <laughs> you're kidding me. Come on. Are you kidding? Oh, geez. It looked like him. <laughs> it may have been Colonel Toro. <laughs> <laughs> the aircraft is an Acrostar, and it really is a kit that was designed by a guy named Jim Beatty. And the kit was called the BD-5J. The BD, standing for his last name, we assume, much like the Aston Martin DB5 has the DB, standing for David Brown, who at one time purchased Aston Martin and developed the DB5 road car. So, the kit in Octopussy is a modified BD5J kit, modified by Corky Fornoff and Bob Bishop, and these modified kit designs are called the Acrostar. So, Fornoff and another stunt pilot, Rick Holly, you're right, Tom, it wasn't more. They flew... The Acrostar. Moore wasn't even in Utah when they filmed it. So. <laughs> they flew the Acrostar for some of the shots in Octopussy. And our research has shown that the Acrostar plane used in this pre-title is supposedly hanging from the ceiling of a restaurant in Clearwater, Florida. I don't know if that's still happening, but that was what one of the reports said. So that's pretty cool. All right. Again, Remind me of what he accomplished so far, though. I, I'm confused. <laughs> of course, the <laughs> he was soldier... able to escape. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Of course, he's flying this thing, and, uh, and the soldiers are on the ground with the jeeps and so on. They start firing at him, and Tom has been to some of these octopusy pre-title locations in the state of Utah in the USA, right, Tom? Yeah, that's right, that's right, Dan. I went on Matt Sherman's tour of this area. Yeah. And it's also the same tour that brought us to Las Vegas for some Diamonds Are Forever sites, too. It's not too terribly far away of a drive. Now, we have a, we have a podcast with Matt discussing how the slumber mortuary was different when filming happened for Diamonds Are Forever than what it looks like now. But on that same trip, we were up in Utah, and multiple parts of Octopussy were filmed there, including much of this pre-title sequence. It's in about a 50 or 60-mile area of the southwest part of the U.S. state, Utah. Uh-huh. There are other parts, such as where Khan's plane takes off when Bond catches it from the horse, or where Khan's plane crashes, and there are a few other scenes are from that area. Now, the long road they're on is near Zion National Park. I'm not going to give you the coordinates. 
You, you can either look them up or go on Matt's tour. It's north and west of the Laverkin Hurricane Bridge that we're going to talk about a little bit later. It's a really long, straight road. And what they did with it is it, they used it for both the takeoff and the landing of the plane. They took off going oh. one way and they landed the other way so that the landscape behind them were different. So it looks like they were different places, but it literally was the same road. All right. Now, the military jeeps and the parts where the jeeps crash and where the guys are standing there shooting at the plane with rifles, mm -hmm. that's on this road as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then most of the flight scenes from the plane are from that area. Now, the bluffs and the bridges Bond flies on the jet under, when he flies the jet underneath that yes. bridge, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the Leverkin Hurricane Bridge. And if you are going to go to that area... They're doing a lot of home building right now, so it's going to take away a small bit of the shine from this area. Yeah. And there's yeah. also like a pumping station or something underneath the bridge now. So it looks slightly different, but it is very obvious you're on the right spot, and you can stand on a bluff and overlook the scene where the where the plane's flying by and then down into. Yeah. That's a great stunt. Also, the way they shot it, if you look at it, the shot doesn't go under the bridge. The plane goes under it, but they've got cameras on two bluffs yeah, right, right. pointing at each way. So you can see him going to the bridge and then the other ones of him coming out. It's always cool to see filming locations for the Bond movies. It's just fun. All right. So, of course, they have to try to get Bond. He's escaping. So they launch a heat-seeking missile at his jet. And he does everything to outrun and outmaneuver the missile. And finally, as it is getting closer... He flies through the hangar where his impersonation was discovered and just makes it out the far end as the doors are being closed by the soldiers as directed. And that, he, was a, that was a cool stunt. It was a cool stunt. And he flips the jet vertically with a wing pointing, pointing towards the ceiling and the other towards the floor to fly through this narrow opening. Now, <laughs> the first thing to think about is why were they instructed to close the doors because they <laughs> because they saw bond coming in the plane right at the hangar and well they wanted him to crash wait <laughs> he, he's going to crash right into your hangar causing enormous damage to your facility and killing a lot of people and maybe even the colonel so their what mission you, comes first Dan. what are you thinking so i conclude that the colonel luis toro who gave the orders was acting like a bull in the china shop <laughs> all right boom there you go <laughs> all right that was stupid but as the sequence unfolds you just don't have time to think about it and it looks kind of natural and like you said Tom, it is kind of a cool stunt of course Maybe they didn't know that the missile was following close behind and that they'd be blown up anyway. But nonetheless, maybe the missile would have followed him out of the hangar and killed Bond while saving the hangar and everybody else in there. Not to mention, but I will. Uh, <laughs> it took eight seconds for this mini jet to fly through the hangar, which is probably, what, maybe 100 feet long? I don't know. And can a microjet fly that low? And you think the I get anal sometimes <laughs> with this stuff. <laughs> I'm just looking at this thinking, man, it looks cool when it all happens, but when you stop and think about it, it's like, <sighs> okay, all right, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it said that the Acrostar made a cameo appearance in Die Another Day, and I couldn't find that. Did either of you yeah. see it in Die Another Day? I don't recall seeing it. No, and I, I don't recall seeing it either now. No. I kind of looked around, too. 
So then the missile blows up the hangar, of course, striking the very jet that Bond as Toro was trying to blow up, number 10. <laughs> so, hey, there you go. So I guess Bond had some success here. But really, Bond's mission was to blow up one jet. Would M be happy with this? What? Go, go blow well, up one I mean, jet? Ah. It did look a really cool set piece, yeah. even though it's a little off, what well, I would say, kill to which was like, you know, far-fetched, but we have to suspend believability. It's Bond film, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, we have to have these big set pieces. And so, yeah, I... I, I it's Bond as we know it at this point. <laughs> well, if you think about the pre-title sequence in Goldfinger, Bond's mission there was to blow up those blow up those tanks, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that was the mission. It was just you go, you get, take take something out and get out of there. That could have crippled the, the drug cartel, though. Yeah. But here, so we don't know what this would have crippled. But you know, that's the takes kind of one plane out of service that had it did have some kind of mechanical device in its nose, like a radar thing, maybe. But yeah. who knows? Anyway, all right. So, speaking of M, <laughs> this is the first Bond movie featuring Robert Brown as M after Bernard Lee's death. Bernard Lee starred as M in the first 11 Bond movies. And as an aside, I've been watching all the episodes of Elementary, a modern-day Sherlock Holmes in New York, starring Johnny Lee Miller as Holmes and Lucy Lewis Watson. Now, Johnny Lee Miller is great in the role of Holmes, a fine British actor and the Lee part of his name, yeah, Bernard Lee was his grandfather. That's why he <laughs> used the middle name Lee? So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I never knew that. And funnily enough, Johnny Lee Miller starred opposite Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. Now stick with me here. In Frankenstein on stage a few years back, and of course Cumberbatch is renowned for playing Sherlock Holmes in Sherlock. Yeah, yeah. Ta-da! Yeah, I love <laughs> Cumberbatch and Sherlock. He was terrific. Yeah, there you go. All right, so now we're near the end of the pre-title sequence for Octopussy. Bond flies the jet away over the checkpoint gate, so now we assume he's on the safe side. And, wow, he discovers he's running low on fuel. Another crisis for Bond. Oh, my God. And he's forced to land on a highway. He flips the switch to power the wings to fold up. And he rolls into a petrol station and says to the attendant, Fill her up, please. <laughs> okay. This is interest, interesting how he calls it her. Yeah. Does this highlight the fact that Bond knows how to treat a woman? Oh. Well, actually, fill <laughs> yeah. her up is a well. fairly common expression in the States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And especially when we had full, more full-service gas stations. So this is probably a little more back in time, but it would have been an expression when they filmed this here. Vehicles are very commonly given female pronouns sure. here, or female names even. Ships, mm -hmm. cars, we always yeah, yep. refer yeah, to them as to female. female names. Yeah. Now, for the landing, and, and when he pulls up to this gas station, yeah. the plane lands on that same road I talked about earlier, where yeah. they took off and landed from the same road. Mm -hmm. However, in a bit of movie magic, right after he, le he lands, He's 50 miles away in the town of Santa Clara, Utah, because that's where this gas station was. So the plane lands on that long road, rounds the corner, and is instantly 50 miles away. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> now, to get that shot, Corky Fornoff lands this plane behind the curb that we see. In that, so it's a separate landing than the one they filmed that we saw in the movie. He turns on that curve and pulls up to the gas station, and that's what we see. 
Oh, and that okay. gas station is no longer there. It's been replaced with townhomes or apartments. So this is not Bummer. an easy place to find. Yeah. But again, I was on Matt Sherman's trip in Utah, which is a fabulous trip if you want to see all of this this cool octopusy stuff there. He takes you to some interesting views of this of this area. Mm-hmm. So you can see it from the road and you can see the bend, but then it doesn't quite look exactly the same because there's no gas station there. Yeah. But then he takes you up on this bluff and you can look down on it then it and it really encapsulates what you saw. So you can go to the Santa Clara History Museum or the Chamber of Commerce there, and they can likely tell you how to get to where this spot is. It's very cool because it does look very different, but there's enough similarity to it. It's like, wow, that was movie magic at the time, but life goes on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate when the, the, the locations are no longer there because it is fun visiting filming locations. The bluffs are there. The road's still there. Yeah. It's just the gas station isn't yeah. there anymore. Yeah. And the attendant's probably not there, I guess. <laughs> probably not. And by the way, Roger Moore wasn't there either. Yeah, that, that's okay. a different issue. Now, John Glenn, the director, he wanted to remove this filler-up line. But when Glenn was at the theater and watched the trailer for Octopussy, which included the line, and saw the audience's positive reaction, he left it in. So, there you go. So now, we're into the title sequence, which... Okay, so Bond blew up the hangar and probably killed a bunch of soldiers and probably the real Colonel Luis Toro. So Bond has had some success, I guess, in his mission to blow up that single plane. So, okay, wow. Yeah, so, now, so as you mentioned, the title sequence starts here. Yeah. And, Nikki, you were talking about lack of intrigue. Oof. And so we thought that For Your Eyes only title sequence was a bit of a bore. This one, well... The only good moment in it is when Bond's standing with his gun and multiple arms wrap around him. Yeah. E- even that, I thought, that was the best part of the title sequence with the arms wrapping around him. But the name of the movie is Octopussy. We're going to see Octopussy as the logo on Octopussy and all over the place, right? It's an octopus. <laughs> and an octopus has eight legs and tentacles. And how many do they have wrapping around Bond? Five. <laughs> what? I, you know, I tried counting that. I don't really necessarily see five. It's kind of weird the way I saw it. five. Uh, anyway, that was the best part of the title sequence. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but now Rita Coolidge does do a nice job singing All Time High. That that song is pretty boring to me. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they tried to emulate the success of For Your Eyes Only having a slow ballad again but yeah. i think this song is 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 what the mark personally it's not it's not a personal favorite of mine I, I i like it but it's not a personal favorite yeah i think in general it was a successful hit a successful song but that's what makes life fun right everybody's got different mm-hmm. things they like and so on so but looking at this blah title sequence one last time as was said brilliantly in the book bond films by jim smith and steve lavington Quote, the titles are low rent Maurice Binder. The song is excellent, but the cheap laser light visuals leave a lot to be desired. Unquote. That, that's perfect. That pretty much sums up the title sequence neatly and completely. These guys were good. All right. All right. We've flown through and decoded the pre title sequence in Octopussy. Check out our many other pre title sequence podcast episodes. So, that's a wrap. 
This has been Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. And Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. If you like our show, please share our show details through your own social media to friends. Tell them to subscribe to our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies, through their favorite podcast app. That helps us a lot. If you do, let us know and we'll give you a shout out in one of our upcoming episodes. Thanks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. And check out our YouTube channel as well. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.